All right, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the future of the wastewater and water industry and the careers you didn't know about. This is take two, and you're never going to hear take one. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Colin Chung, who is the chair of the International uh, Council, Council uh, for AWWA, uh, and he came all the way from the left coast. So, Colin, thanks so much for coming and uh, uh, for for speaking and coming to our Connecticut Section Conference. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me here. So uh, it is uh, quite an honor. And again, uh, uh, I got a chance to, to hook up with Melissa, our uh, past uh, media past president. So uh, uh, it, it was great. And uh, so tell us um, about your storied career in, in the water industry. What's your day job like? <laughs> Well, in the in the day job, I mean, I, as you know, AWWA is uh, you know formulated with a lot of volunteers, mm -hmm. and so we do have to live and get paid. So absolutely. Uh, so in my day job, I run a asset management solutions company. Okay. So I develop a, a cloud-based software for asset management uh, work for you know water, wastewater, as mm -hmm. well as municipality, mm -hmm. to uh, help them uh, actively. Uh, understand what their future needs are going to be and be proactive in managing and also preparing for the future uh, capital replacement of their assets. Right. Right now, how, how did you find your way to AWWA? I feel like AWWA found me. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always kind of utilize this story where, you know, maybe I was always destined to be around water uh -huh. and I didn't know. Uh, you know, I started out as a structural engineer, okay. and I always wanted to be in the business side of things. Mm -hmm. And water really wasn't my focus, but I had an opportunity where I started uh, getting a job, and I worked for an engineering firm and still, you know, focus on water. And then from there, uh, there was an opportunity where AWWA was uh, reaching out, looking for someone with uh, international experience to uh -huh. help develop their uh, relationship okay. with uh, international uh, you know, friends. And I volunteered and was put into service. And then uh, I've been doing that for them for probably over 15 years now. Okay. So uh, when you talk about your, your international friends, what does that comprise of now? Tell us a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have our international colleagues from uh, association level. So mm -hmm. we have uh, organizations like the Korea Water and Wastewater Works Association, Japan Water Works Association, uh, Singapore PUB. But then we also work closely with wonderful organizations that help to develop uh, infrastructure mm -hmm. in the uh, uh, underdeveloped countries, and those organizations are like the World Bank, as uh -huh. well as the USAID, Millennium Development Corporation, Asian Development Bank. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do you find uh, that there's uh, a parallel of uh, infrastructure needs throughout the industry, both uh, here in, in the U.S. and, and internationally? You know, one of the things that I always say is, uh, you know, we're different people, we're a different culture, we speak different languages, we eat different food. Uh -huh. But other than there, there's one thing that's common for everybody and connects all continents of the world together, and that's water. Uh -huh. And I understand that everybody has the same problem. You know, s when when we look at the uh, the survey that AWWA does, yeah. and then compare that and contrast it with some of the uh, the surveys that other uh, countries do. Yeah. Same thing. Wow. Well, that's amazing. You know, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about, you know, aging infrastructure and asset management and so forth, and it's, uh, 
it's all putting the pieces of the puzzle together to make you know the overall picture of you know basically uh, utilities supplying you know clean potable water to, to their customers. Absolutely, providing safe water, reliable water for their customers. Yeah, you know, um, again, when you uh, finding your path into asset management and so forth, tell us, you know, kind of rewind the. Uh, the tape just a little bit and uh, tell us about your your adventures you know coming out of school and how you arrived at that path uh that's uh, a very good question <laughs> you know as i told you uh, my initial focus was on structural engineering yep. and uh, after college i had a fortunate uh, opportunity to study abroad and so i went back to uh, my origin country which is south korea okay and uh, I was pursuing my master's degree there. Okay. And during that time, South Korea had uh, run into a lot of tragedies uh, where they were failing infrastructure. So uh -huh. there was a huge bridge collapse that you know, killed, uh, unfortunately, uh, many people. Uh -huh. And then soon afterwards, there was a class, uh, collapse of uh, a big shopping mall. Okay. And it you know, took away hundreds of lives oh my gosh and that kind of sparked the the whole need for a condition assessment sure. you know because as a country was developing very rapidly i'm sure there were some uh, you know poor practices in construction yeah. and i'm sure there were some issues along the way that contributed to these failures but more importantly it's not about investigating what's been done you know 30 years ago or 20 years ago right but about more about how do we prevent what the future, you know, failures. So, you know, the, the, the school that I was involved with then, because we're structural engineers, put us through a lot of uh, practical uh, bridge assessment projects. Okay. So in many cases, we'd be spending days right. in a box curtain bridge, you right. know, only being coming out for lunch and dinner or to go, right. to go to sleep and then putting all these sensors and then, you know, doing the static and dynamic testing along the way. Which you know, uh, when you're when you're young, that you liked being outside, so it was kind of fascinating. But what I didn't know is what that leads to in the future, uh -huh. right? So to me, at that particular time, it was just a task and a job that I needed to do, collect the data, and then based on that, here are the the maintenance things that needs to be done. These are the recommendation. Please go fix it. Yes. That was it. Okay. It was a snapshot point in time, and that was it. Yeah. But I realized afterwards that uh, as part of asset management, how do we prevent what's coming in the future and be prepared for that? Sure. I mean, I, I see that to be one of the biggest component of asset management. Mm -hmm. So that instead of just taking that data and fixing it and putting it away, yeah. how do we utilize that data to make a predictive model so that we anticipate when the future failure might occur sure. and you know how it might happen so that we could be ahead of the curve and not behind the curve. So in the water industry, as not only in the water industry, it's in the infrastructure industry. Sure. As an engineer, we've always been taught to develop, construct, engineer, build things. Yeah. We weren't taught to manage things. <laughs> so that's another component. <laughs> and you know, the engineers actually developed the whole concept of net present value because we're pretty good with math, right? Yeah, yeah. 
the MBA guys stole that and they're making the big bucks and then <laughs> <laughs> we're not utilizing that. And what I'm trying to do, you know, joking aside, is develop a platform where engineers are now utilizing scientific data to actively understand what's going on, characterize that in how the assets are actually decaying over time, sure. and then predict when we might anticipate when those assets might need to be replaced, rehabilitated, and fail. And it encompasses a huge group of people. It's not about one because you right. have the main, we need to get those information from the maintenance guys. Those are the guys that know the assets better than anyone else. Sure, sure. That ain't information needs to come and then give the engineers an anticipation of when they need to develop a CIP project to make sure that they could fix that or they could replace it before it goes into failure, right? Right, right. Then that information has to go to finance to ensure that they have the budget necessary to do the to work. get it done. That finance budget needs to go to the council or the general manager or the board to help them understand. The stamp. <laughs> to put that stamp on so they're making the right decision, but also at the same time, the stakeholders, the community, the the uh, the ratepayers need to understand that. You know, these are the things that it's need the cost to be doing do. business. It's a cost of business, and we need to work together to create a sustainable model. Sure. So that we could ensure that the safe water is being delivered on a very reliable basis. Right. Moving right. forward. Now, does your modeling program, as far as you know, uh, uh, do do you have to interject the new? Uh, uh, technology improvements that come down the pike as far as in, in, in construction practices and all of that, and uh, how, how does that fit in? More so than a construction process, what we, you know, our system does uh, is it's called IRIS, uh, and, and it connects with the existing system. So we're not there to try to say, hey, you need a brand new system and replace everything. Right. What we're trying to do is utilize the existing information that's available I and see. then put some smarts in top of that that these other systems are not capable or okay. not designed to do, right. and then collaboratively work together. The success of asset management is in the collaboration aspects of it. So, you know, utilizing technology, now we're able to bring data in from CMMS, bring data in from GIS, bring data in from SCADA, bring yep. information in from, you know, from uh, your ERP system for finance, sure. and then put it all together and perform analytical, you know, predictive models or different analytics of it, and then utilize that information and put it out in front of the decision makers so that they can make the best decisions possible. Well, it's, you know, they say knowledge is power, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is always people that should make the decision. Exactly, and, and it gives them the best tools to you know, make that uh, decision. This systems are tools. They're a not the decision makers. Exactly, yeah. unfortunately, it's... Uh, People start forgetting that. A, a, yeah, I, a touche, yes, because a lot of times the uh, you know the bottom line is is uh, uh, lands in a financial realm, and you know unfortunately um, that gets sidetracked a little bit. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, going back to your role in AWWA, um, I, you know, as you know, this this podcast is basically uh, uh, geared for you know hopefully uh, making uh, younger college students, high school students aware that the, uh, of the careers that are available in our industry. And so Absolutely. Forth. So uh, what words of wisdom, uh, you know, not only from uh, 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 
an international standpoint, but also from a, a local standpoint of the You know, the, the, the whole, one of the biggest challenge that we're facing in America, as well as in international, especially in the developed country side of things, mm-hmm. is, you know, we're lacking future resources. Yes. You know, the, uh, the I think AWWA has a statistic that says like 80, you know, it's like uh, average age of, uh, you know, water professionals and practitioners are like around 50 or low above even more 50. Yes, yes. Which means that, you know, within 10 years from now, they'll all be moving out to, you know, Florida, Arizona, playing golf, playing golf and you know, buying a like house that. in the villages or something. <laughs> the <laughs> amount of knowledge that's available is absolutely tremendous. You know, the, the 40, 50 years of experience like yourself that you've been doing an excellent job of operating and managing these infrastructure system. Unfortunately, that's a, a lot of that is in your head. It's a knowledge base. It's a knowledge base. And Back then, technology wasn't available or the practice wasn't there to utilize information and really bring that knowledge into a data and then utilize, you know, and then have a source of that data be available for other people to, to capture on. Sure, sure. So what, one of the key elements that we have to do before I answer your question is to make sure that before these very knowledge disappears, to be able to capture that knowledge the best as we can and then utilize these experienced people as mentors of the younger generation. Uh-huh. Now, the younger generation, we need those people to come into the water market, sure. but unfortunately, it's very hard to do. Sure. And I think there's a couple two, couple reasons for doing that. In, you know, from a college track perspective, all these young kids are into more quote sexier things of yeah, yeah. developing applications and uh-huh. you know. They need something quick, they need fancy, they need something visual. Yep. And I'm sorry, water industry is not in that. Yes. <laughs> that yes. So it's hard to really uh, attract it to that. Sure. But also, another key element is that, unfortunately, as engineers in the water industry, we don't get compensated as well as someone that may be working for Apple or Google and stuff. So True. people are driven more by monetary reasons. Sure. So we lose a lot of talent in that direction. However, what we did find out in the younger generation of things is that, A, they want change. They want to make a difference. Yep. And we have an opportunity to capitalize on that because they need to understand that without water, there's no life. Absolutely. It's an absolute essential thing that we need to do. And we learned that during the COVID years where oh my God, yes. water operators, uh, water managers, they were all identified as essential employees, essential employees yes. and they were out while everybody was hiding behind the uh, the, the, the homes and their masks. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had to be out in the forefront of things and then ensure that everybody was getting safe water out of their tap. And But also, water plays a big part in the whole environmental side of things. Sure. And people need to know that they can make a difference from an environmental perspective mm-hmm. by being able to, uh, you know, be involved yep. and create that opportunity for the future yep. and really protect the environment, you know. And I think how we attract them is to be able to really 
allow them to understand the value of water, which we take it for granted, yeah, yeah. and it's never really communicated. And as an asset management practitioner, that's always a difficult thing because, you know, when we say, you know, the value of water, right? Yeah. Then uh, what is often difficult is that, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the, uh, you know, if people don't realize the, the you know, I'm sorry, I lost my track of thought on that one. Uh, you, we, we might have to. That's know, okay. Edit that portion. That's <laughs> all right. No worries. No yeah, worries. Yeah. Sometimes we're, we're we are in a ballroom here, okay, and sometimes we get little distractions. Yeah. So uh, you know the the way going back to the young generation and the characteristics. A, they love. Uh, they want to make a difference. Yeah. The only difference thing is uh, they want to make a difference quickly. Yes, instant yeah. gratification. Instant gratification because they were all born with technology. Yep. Yep. So as myself, you know, what I'm trying to do is start evolving technology so that people could start getting more involved in the water side of things, utilize technology to help better manage uh, the water infrastructure, but also to help uh, promote, you know, more sustainable solutions in the future. Mm -hmm. Another key element that the, the, the younger generation are very interested, and that's on my AWWA side, is that the world, right? Sure. They want to change the world. They uh -huh. don't want to change the town, right? Yeah. So, or themselves. So, you know, we have great success in working with young professionals and attracting them in the international council. Okay. Because now we get to listen to what other people in the world is facing. Global. But also working together to help educate, to help train, mm -hmm. and help provide solutions that uh, could benefit, you know, people in Africa, could benefit people in India. Sure. And uh, it's hard to believe in the year 2022 that there's still places where people have to walk miles a day. And carry water. And yeah. carry two buckets of water yeah. for their family to survive. And we have so much availability of technology and we have so much you know uh, materials and knowledge that we could work together yeah. to help alleviate that so that you know I think they deserve to live in a more comfortable state oh, oh absolutely you know I think you know one of the points that uh, Melissa made when she did her podcast was we, we have to tell our story more we have to tell our story more you know I think absolutely. Uh, you know to educate people and you know again knowledge is power it's it's something that it's water is the necessities, especially as we go forward. As as you know, especially and I'm sure you see it on an international level as well, um, that uh, climate change is, is 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 playing a big role in you know how we move forward and in, in, uh, you know managing our resources and assets. Absolutely, because uh, you know climate change is making a big difference. Uh, you know where I am yep. in California. Yes, yes, where we're constantly faced with water shortages yeah so you know in, in the area of lack of water how do we get more water yeah you know but also at the same time how do we pay for them yeah at the same time it's a double-edged sword how do we change our behavior so that we're more responsible with how we use the water yes you know and these are all combinations that need to be worked together sure. in a balanced form that allows us to, uh, you know, make an improvement on that. Yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely, Colin. You know, I think uh, from that standpoint, it's uh, 
you know, moving forward and, and going back to that, that, that knowledge base that is in the industry now and so forth. I mean, years, years ago uh, when, you know, we were going to retire or somebody was going to retire, you had somebody that was uh, shadowing that person to develop uh, and uh, absorb that knowledge base. And now with the economic climate is, you know, one guy's walking out this guy, mm. this door, the new guy's walking in, in this door, and okay, what do I do? You know, so and, and this is why the involvement with international colleagues becomes much more important. Uh -huh. Because I'll be the first one to tell you that Australians have a lot more experience with desalination than Americans do. Oh, absolutely. And as well as, and, uh, you know, Israelians, Singaporeans have, you know, a lot more experience with recycling than we do. Oh, yeah. And we need to tap on what they know yeah. so that we could learn from it so we don't have to reinvent the wheel exactly. as well. But then again, there's so much information and knowledge that we have in America that people could benefit from overseas as well. And that's what International Council is doing, is trying to allow that bridge to be constructed and also allow that knowledge sharing to be transferred from one side of the bridge to another. Absolutely. Utilizing various different organizations and mechanisms along the way. Great, great. Anyway, Colin, thanks so much for taking time to, uh, you know, give us your perspective on an international. And, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Colin Chung in the house, who is the chair of the International uh, Committee for AWWA and came all the way from the left coast. <laughs> from Newport to Newport. <laughs> New, uh, exactly. <laughs> and so forth. So, Colin, thanks so much. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the... Uh, future of the water and wastewater industry and the careers you didn't know about and the people that make it all happen and colin is one of those big players that makes it all happen so i'm your host dave kuzminski stay tuned we're going to have more interviews live here from newport uh rhode island and uh stay tuned so thanks so much thank you